You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, first of all, it's already been said, but let me say it again. Happy Mother's Day to all of the wonderful mothers. If you were born from a mother and you are a lady, happy Mother's Day. All right. Well, you know, happy Mother's Day. I know that today can be, for some, is a joyous moment. For some of them, it can be a little bit tender, but I promise you this. It is going to encourage you what we do this morning, everyone across the board, because I really felt strongly I wanted to take a different approach this morning And I will share a little bit more of the heart behind what we're doing once we get up here. But let me first welcome up, because I am, oh, one more thing. Like I said, we are live. So if you feel like it, go share the live stream. I think this is going to bless people. And so if you share it on social media, it will really help us out. But we're going to be interviewing two mothers this morning and two powerful ladies. And one of them is my wife, who I particularly love, Tiffany. And, um, uh, and then I'm also going to be interviewing Rachel Belter, who's been a friend of mine since, my goodness. I was thinking about it. I think, besides my parents, obviously, you may have the award at this point in the church for you've been here with us longest. I don't know if there's anybody here beyond you guys. So you get the award, guys. Um, can we, they, are, they have done so much that I'll explain a little more what they do, but they do so much to lead this house. Can we truly honor them as they come up this morning, guys? Oh, man. So I forgot my iPad, so somebody could grab that. I really don't want to freestyle with this whole thing. I could. All right. Get comfy. Get your, you know how it is when you sit down on the couch. There's the pretty couch, and there's the comfy couch. Get it where you want it. So let me just tell you a little bit about, um, you know, if you don't know, now you do know that my wife leads worship. She's the, she holds a few different titles here, but before we get into that piece. Um, I, met Tif- I met Tiffany here. So I was the drummer. I told you, drummers get the girls. Um, I was a drummer. I was 14 years old, and I was, I, I to this day remember everything she wore. I was black boots, black pants, purple shirt, and a black leather jacket, and she walked in, and I remember like, who is she? And, and uh, I remember to this day, and at the same time, um, Matt and Rachel came to the church um, a month after we got married, which I feel like was really just a relationship that was there by the Lord for where we were going. And um, I, remember, I remember taking them to uh, On the Border. It was the first place we ever took you guys out to lunch, and you were super, like, burnt out and worn out from the previous experiences. And I remember, I just remember one of you saying, like, we're not doing ministry. And I just remember thinking, yeah, that's funny. Like, that, 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 that time will come again. And we hear that a lot in those first-time meals with people. Like, we're done. And it's like, all right, give us some time. And so we have been friends with them in a unique relationship. Even our, my goodness, our, our firstborns were born within a month of each other, a week of each other. Um, and so it's just been a unique history. And so when I, was, um, when I was thinking about who to interview, one thing I can say about the gate, and I mean this, the gate has so am- many amazing, like powerful women. Like, if there is one thing we have learned, like, there are so many amazing women that go to this church that... I could have interviewed so many individuals, but for me, I have a relationship and history with these two that is going to be, I think, helpful to the process, but we are blessed with a lot of powerful women, amen? 
Husbands, that's a great spot, amen. Uh, make your day a lot better right there. Um, I, I, I love it that we just have some wonderful ladies. And so this morning, um, we're going to talk with them, hear a little bit of their journey, um, and we're going to talk about all different things. But um, let's just start off with a little bit more. And obviously, I didn't go into a lot of relationship history with my wife. I, I could spend the whole time talking about my wife. But um, we do have, you know, I'll let her tell a little bit of our family. And so why don't you go ahead and just start off telling a little bit about, you know, who you are, your passions. Just give us a little bio. little bio. All right. So we have been married for, in a few weeks, it'll be 18 years. Yeah. And I'm like, you tell me. He's like, you tell me. I don't, yes, we're going to go with 18 because that's what I say. <laughs> um, we have three kids, two teenagers, and our a little daughter, Addie. She dances up here. Oh, bio of me. I am, of the two of us, I am the uh, free spirit. <laughs> explain that. I explain, explain free spirit. So, so um, I, I, I love the clouds. I love, uh, <laughs> I love being in the she clouds. She just floats around. She I floats float. around. No, um, I, I love creating. I love my hands getting in the dirt with gardening or painting or even puzzles. And uh, when I want to turn my brain off, I do paint by numbers. That's like my jam right now is paint by numbers. Uh, it's just... That's where I meet the Lord, is, is in creativity. And when I can turn off the responsibilities and just create, then that's where I hear and that's where I sense and, and I commune with the Lord. So, yeah, that's, that's where I jam. Yep. We'll break into more of that personality piece a little bit later. Yeah. I think it will really help some of you to understand that that's how God created you. Like learning the way that you create with you connect with God is so important because she connects with God completely different than me. Because um, when she's doing paint by numbers, I'm sitting here thinking like this is the biggest waste of time ever. And like she's like, I am just so happy. And so, but after that, she's so full that you you can watch like then she really like she's good. And if she's good, I'm good. And so, um, but then let's let's talk. So Rachel. Then you, I picked these two also because there's a lot of differences between the two of them, from personalities to jobs to, to there is some major differences between them that I thought would be helpful. So I'll let you just share a little bit about you, your family, and just anything you want to share. Okay. Uh, I'm married to Matt Belter. He plays electric guitar. And we are going on 20 years in November being married. Yep. And I have Nora. She's 15. And Boaz is 8. Almost 16. Almost 9. So, uh, me, I'm opposite of Tiffany. <laughs> That's why we love each other. Yeah. We're great, we get along like, two-sided well. coin here. <laughs> um, I'm very uh, analytical. Um, yeah, I'm very black and white. So, if you ask me my opinion, I will have an opinion. <laughs> um, typically, I always do. But, yeah. Yeah, so, so Rachel, that's one of the things I like about Rachel, and we've had to like, learn about Rachel. It's like some people, like, they'll give you your opinion, and if you don't understand who they are, you can often think, oh, they're upset with me. And it's like just learning the difference of how people communicate. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And so, um, 
And so let's, let's talk. I'm, I'm going to ask a really funny question, like right up front. So what, does, what, are you, what are you feeling just sitting up here? So this is a stretch for both of them. I could, I could do this all day. I could talk to a wall, and I could keep going. And so I, I remember I knew, I knew I could drag Tiffany into this. I didn't know if I could get Rachel. And I knew the first thing she says, let me pray about it. I'm like, I got her. Because she usually just shoots a straight no at me. If, but uh, what do you, so what are the feelings that you're feeling right now? Oh, my feelings. Okay, so... I'm not as nervous as I thought I would be, but the nervous is like, I know what's in here, but will it come out of here? Because yeah. I'm up here every week, but I sing words that are on the piece of paper. <laughs> so I have words provided for me <laughs> that I can decide if I want to go on from there, but I don't have to. And so, yeah, but I'm, it's good. I'm glad. I'm not alone. You're going to watch a bit closer <laughs> throughout. If, if they start getting more uncomfortable, they're going to like get closer on the couch. And as they get more comfortable, they'll spread back out. <laughs> so, all right. How do you feel? Uh, good. I feel good. No, I'm, I'm super passionate about this topic. So I was like, if there's ever anything I'm going to be up here for, that this is it. So, yeah. So, we've been, so we have been on a, a theme. He, if you, one thing you'll learn at the gate is we don't do a lot of... Um, a lot of sermon series, and that's on purpose because as soon as we start one, the Lord takes us somewhere else. But sometimes he allows us to get into a theme, and we kind of hang with it for a little while. And on Easter, um, I talked about, uh, I opened up the topic of trauma. I talked about how, I don't know how many of you were here, but I talked about Thomas and how we give him a bad rep. We call him Doubting Thomas. Remember that Jesus came to Thomas and a lot of us see it as a correction, a harsh rebuke. I actually don't think it was at all. And something interesting, um, and I'm laying groundwork for this topic of, like, healthy people. Um, Thomas, the first time Jesus appeared to the disciples, so Thomas wasn't there. Eleven of the twelve were in the room. How many of you would probably feel a little frustrated if Jesus showed up to the eleven of the twelve and you were the twelfth that wasn't there? That could be a challenge, Right? I mean, it's hard enough when you miss a Sunday and everyone's like, man, you missed it. And you're like, ah, oh. but like 11 of 12 were there in the first moment with Jesus. And so after that, um, we see Thomas makes this remark. He says, well, I'm going to have to see him to believe it. And I, I find it interesting that Jesus came and met with Thomas in his, in his I believe he was in uh, a moment of trauma. They had, they're the one that they had put all their hopes in, he was gone. And their hearts were broken. Um, and I believe that Jesus made a special appearance for Thomas. And what we began to unravel on, and it was not really my intentions, but on Easter, we began to get into emotionally healthy leaders so, and emotionally healthy believers. I think we always say, well, you know, it's great to have gifts, but you need to be spiritually mature. We hear that, or you, know, you need to have good character. We hear that all the time, right? How often do we hear the sermon that tells you how to do that? You know, it's like gifts only take you so far, character will take you, you know, it sustains you, but then there's no teaching on that part. And so um, one of the things that we've been intentional about the past few weeks, and then for us, years, has been um, learning about the importance of how to become healthy people. And it is a journey that I don't feel like is talked about enough. And so, but before we get into that, I want to lay a little bit more of a, the groundwork on who you are um, with some of your gifts, and then we're going to transition into the emotional and the, you know, the, the health piece. 
Um, they're both on the oversight team for the church. Tiffany, along with leading worship, um, Tiffany has also uh, been recognized, commissioned as a prophet. She's very prophetic. And um, Tiffany just, she, I think it's God's design for her to live in the clouds. Um, I believe that many times people that are prophetic need to be able to get a higher viewpoint of what's going on. Tiffany, often for me, I can say, you know, hey, um, what are you seeing with this? Because I'm, I'm struggling with this. And she can bring a perspective of something that I didn't catch. And so she operates in the prophetic. Um, and so let's talk just a little bit about that. When we say, um, first of all, let's talk a little bit about a prophet versus prophetic. And we don't, we don't have a lot of time, so we're not going to go deep into this. Um, but can you just give us an idea a little bit more of how you feel like you operate in the gift that God's given you? Sure. So snapshot of prophet versus being prophetic. All of us are prophetic. Everyone in this room, especially in this corporate anointing, can turn to the other person beside you and edify them in a prophetic word. Uh, you don't have to read their mail. That's not necessarily prophetic. Prophetic is edifying them in the way that the Lord sees them. Uh, prophet is, the way that I see it, is that my job as a prophet here is to hold this house and to train up the prophetic culture in this church. So it is to create a more prophetic atmosphere in this church, to teach how to hear the Lord, to teach how to see the Lord, to teach how to give an edifying word to the person next to you or the stranger on the street that the prophet raises up others. Does that make sense? So for me, um, I'm a little bit more of like, a lot of uh, prophets are referred to like the eagle or the lion. I'm definitely the eagle. Um, I, I'm not the, what they call like the boots on the ground prophet. And that took a journey for me to realize that because I kept trying to walk in that and it would wear me out because most prophets that you see are standing in that pulpit like every week having huge prophetic conferences, ministering to the masses and, and all of this. And while I can do that and I will do that for the Lord, that's not my actual calling that he has called me to. And so that, wear, that would wear me out being that boots on the ground. And so for me, I'm more that higher perspective. Uh, I discern a lot. Uh, in that discernment, because we can do others, because Rachel is a discerner as well, I operate a little bit differently than Rachel, where when I discern, the Lord drops wisdom. Like there's a gift of wisdom partnered with that discernment. And so I can come in, discern, and I can, uh, I can bring guidance, and I can bring clarity quicker than normal. I think guidance is a really good word. I think people that uh, have the grace of, you know, the gift of prophet, guidance is really big. Um, and so I would say that's, that's something that Tiffany largely does, and her gift is bring guidance. Often I will get some idea, and somebody's got to be, hey, how's this going to play out? And so I think it's also important we see people, like Tiffany said, oh, they're a prophet. i got to be like them. No, you don't. Don't ever put yourself through the filter of someone else's personality connected to their gift. Often people think that the personality is the gift. It's not, and that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about this morning. There's personalities, there's gifts. Some people are incredibly, you know, over-the-top, you know, loud, you know, prophetic people, and then there's some people who are just very quiet, and it does not make the other person's gift any greater, amen? 
And so being cautious to not get caught in the trap of like, well, I got to be like them. That's the worst trap in the, in the church is trying to be like someone else because you always be a bad version of them. <laughs> but you're a great version of you. You're a really great version of you. But we're finding who we are, and we'll get to that piece. So talk about Rachel a little bit. So Rachel... One of the things I noticed with Rachel is for, for a season, she also used to oversee all of inner healing ministry in the church, and then she felt like the Lord was leading her out of that, and um, I kept her connected to the leadership team. I didn't know why. Sometimes the Lord will just tell me, keep them connected, and I'm like, I don't even have a, a place. I don't even know why you're here, but you're a leader, and then I began to realize the gift that it talks about in the Bible of a discerner, and I began to realize that often Rachel very often I had discernment in things, and I began to see there was a gift of discernment on her. Now, just like a prophet, everyone can prophesy, but not everyone's a prophet. I believe that everyone can have discernment, but I believe some people have an extreme gift of being a discerner. And so um, that can be a lot to work through. Um, so why don't you just give us kind of, you've put a lot of work into learning more about your gift, but I don't think most people in here have any idea what a discerner actually is. So Share what you got. Yeah, um, you shared. One thing I was going to say is just that everyone should desire discernment because in Psalms and Proverbs, they, the authors speak a lot about desiring discernment because it will guide you in life. And <clears throat> as we get further on, but a lot of my journey has just been partnering with the Lord on what is beneficial for me. You know, we, we all encounter things that we're like, there's so much out there, especially these days on social media and everything's available, but what is beneficial for me? And that is partnering with discernment and asking the Lord to give you that discernment. So honestly, it wasn't until John literally said, I would like you to join the Elcott team as the discerner that I was like, oh, I'm a discerner? Cool. Um, like I knew that I would know things, like, you know, but I didn't know that there was a word for it really because honestly in the church, we just... We don't talk about discernment a lot, it, but it's one of the gifts. And so I've taken a course and gotten really in tune with like what it means and what it doesn't mean. And it is it can be scary to people because they think that I'm just going around discerning everything, and that's just not the case, you know. It, the Lord is, he will show me things that I need to know for this body for protection, I would say, is the best way to word it. He doesn't just share everything with me. But there's also things he will share with me that are like, this is an anointing on this person, and you, he get, he'll let me know a lot of times just to speak it into them, or I need to know ahead of time because something is coming. So, um, yeah. So I think that um, often in the leadership model of, you know, what we're used to with churches is there's one guy that I think we expect to carry all these gifts, and that's why we wear our pastors out, because you want them to be the teacher, the pastor, the discerner, the prophetic, the evangelist. You want, you know, we, we expect that of, of one individual, and we wonder why the burnout rate is so extreme with ministers. And so um, one of the things that we've really been intentional to do with the gate is building out this team of individuals, which are taking these different gifts and uh, really working together on it. And so for me, it's so powerful to be able to have, a, there's, there's other people on the team as well, um, and 
but to be able to say, you know, pull on Rachel, hey, I'm feeling this, but, you know, what is, you, what is your discernment saying? And, and she'll, you know, she'll, she'll, I love her approach as usual. Let me pray on it for a little while. It's not like, you know, we're shaking a, you know, a little magic eight ball and like, what does that see? It's genuinely, but it's a gift. And, um, and so I think it's really powerful. First of all, some of you have the gift of discernment and to begin to recognize I'm a discerner is actually really powerful. It's also a journey to learn how to not be trying to discern everything. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm also a feeler. That's a big gift of mine. I'm a major feeler. I have to shut it off. I'll go into a restaurant and feel so much, I can't enjoy lunch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, a couple of you. Um, I, I can feel so many things in the atmosphere that I'll just have to shut it off because it's like I can, I can feel the table next to me. It's like I can hear them upset with, you know, the waitress, but that I feel the emotions of the waitress, and like I can feel it, and then like I have to guard my heart because I will get involved, and I'll be like, "Hey, don't let them bully you." I've said that to people at the register before, like they're trying to manipulate and bully you. Don't let it happen, and I will feel these feelings. And so, a lot of times with the gifts, um, recognizing um, they're there, but they don't always need to be turned on. And so, um, these two do have. Very, very important gifts to this house. And so what we want to talk about, though, is I want to talk a little bit, and I didn't write this down, and so I can carry it some. One of the first things I want to talk about before we get into um, some of the, the health pieces in depth, um, I believe the church has done really good about providing, at least this church, healing for you know a, a space to bring people and get them healed. And so one of the questions that I think would come up is what's the difference between when we start getting into healing versus your journey? Because I think everybody wants somebody just to pray for them and just be like, hey, pray for me so I get healing and I'll be good. And I was thinking about this conversation before I got up here, and I was thinking about how the Bible says, well, the Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I think the church has done really good Um, at helping people. We know about heart, you know, give your heart to the Lord. Let him touch your heart. So we have a lot of focus on heart, right? But, and we're pretty good about strength. That's about doing things. It's about the doing piece, but there's these other two pieces, the soul and the mind. And I think we even tap into the soul some. I actually think that we play down the mind. And here's the problem. If we don't have answers for this, people will go find answers elsewhere. A lot of the things that we're experiencing right now in culture, like deconstruction and all of this stuff, I believe is largely because the church hasn't had answers for people to know how to go on a journey to find themselves. And so they're looking for alternatives that sometimes are not healthy. And so we're going to talk about some different tools. We're going to talk about your journeys and hear a little bit of that. But let's just, um, let's start off with talking maybe a little bit about healing, inner healing versus going on the journey of like, Um, finding emotional health and finding how to be a powerful person. So I first started coming into this language by Danny Silk. That was my large introduction for me. How many know who Danny is? Danny, yeah, he'll be here in September. We started learning about um, titles like being a powerful person, and we began to find out that what we thought was powerful person was not necessarily a powerful person. We tend to think the most loud person in the room is a powerful person. This is where you say yes. Yes, amen. That's why culture thinks if I can be loud enough, I win. And so we've always taken a hands-off approach, like whoever the loud people, well, they're powerful people. A lot of times the loud people are insecure people. 
and they're wounded people, and they're barking because they don't want you to find out what's really going on. And so they want to just bark and growl and not let you see in behind the curtain. And so I want to take a second and talk a little bit about the value for inner healing because we do believe in inner healing. We believe that you come to Christ, but there's a process of just bringing things before the Lord. And so, Rachel, um, any wisdom that you would have on this topic of, because you've done a lot of inner healing, but then you, you yourself were leading the inner healing and found like, hey, I, there's a lot more I need to like work on in my life. So just a, a high view, what would you say some of the differences or just yeah. speaking to that? Um, inner healing is very valuable. Um, we don't know what we don't know. And that's what inner healing really is um, beneficial for, especially, you know, we did Sozo in this house. And for me, it shined the light on things that I had no idea were wounds in there. And, you know, that is step one, I feel like, of getting your connection back with the Lord. And that's what inner healing will do. But you really need to take the next step of healing those wounds with, you know, in partnership with the Lord. But as we talk about what emotional health is, it's, it's your pathway into full healing, into fullness. And, Yeah. I could go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I think it's important because so many people get prayed for, and I think this is going to bring some hope to people today because I don't know how many times people are like, I've been down there, I've been prayed for how many times, and I'm still having that issue. And like, just pray for me again. Pray for me again. And I do believe there is some times that we do keep praying, but I also believe that the Scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but, but there is an I can do. We want to pray it, Christ can do all things in me who strengthens me. But that's putting it off on him. You with me? But he says, no, you can do all things through me, through Christ who strengthens you. And so I think a lot of times the healing has to take place and some of these wounds have to get healed. But then there becomes, okay, it's time for you to do And that's where a lot of people tap out. They're like, well, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know that I want to go down that journey. And uh, But there is the I can do. And so I want Tiffany to take a minute and tell us a little bit about your journey because I remember when when we first got married and we first got into ministry uh, going way back, you were really lost. Like, I just, we've had this conversation so many times. She's like cut her hair, everything to try to look like someone who should be in ministry. And it was like, you found out like, man, I don't know who I am. And so Tiffany, I've loved, one of the things I so enjoy about Tiffany is that over the years, she's purely just who she is. But it's taken work. It's not like just, just wake up and, oh, man, I am who I am. I am so secure in myself. It, it's like, no, it takes intentionality. And so why don't you talk a little bit about when you first came into ministry, um, how you felt, and then just a little bit of your emotional health journey. Sure. So when we got married, you know, the two become one. I subconsciously was like, oh, we're John now. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany no longer exists. Most of us fight figuring out which one they're going to become. Yeah, I didn't even fight. I'm like, we're John. (laughs) Uh, And this was nothing on him. Like, he never was overbearing anything. This was completely me. I, I came to the Lord, and a year later, I was in ministry. So... I was just figuring it out. And the easiest way to figure it out, as I have found through my personality, is just to give it, we are John. 
I will follow John. I will support John. I will do John's ministry. I will do what I'm asked to do until I fall apart into pieces. And then he has to mop me up, and then we do it all over again. (laughs) So this was our pattern for 12 years. 12 years, guys. So this was a deep-seated pattern in my life, a way of thinking. And finally, it was, it was actually, John, like, obviously I was not happy in the grand scheme of things. Like, life was pleasant. Ministry was, you know, fun. It wasn't like I was in some deep depression, but I was not who I was made to be. Therefore, I was lacking. And finally, John, <laughs> I could not process. I could not, like, we couldn't even argue because I would just be like, don't talk to me. Give me 24 hours. Uh, like, that was my way of arguing. <laughs> she went into the cave, is I what I call cave. it. Anybody Dave, know the cave? That maybe you're the, the cave, cave person or yes. someone else. She went into her cave. I feel like I lived as a caveman for many years. Um, he had to write me an email, guys. We'd been married for 12 years. And he wrote me. He went to work. I stayed home. He wrote me an email, and he was like, we are in a pattern that I am all done with. <laughs> and, it, and he was very encouraging. He's like, you do what you need to do. He's like, but I'm done bailing you out because that was our pattern, is I would run myself into the ground. I would explode or cave in, and he would be the rescuer and rescue me, and then we'd start all over. And he was like, I'm done. And so that started a now six-year journey of like, okay, he's done rescuing me, so I have to rescue myself, which means I have to figure out who I am. So let me, let me say something in that piece before you keep going. Um, so that's a big deal. Sometimes if you don't stop rescuing somebody, you're not helping them. And for me, it was the revelation of a peacekeeper versus a peacemaker. A lot of us think that we're a peacemaker, and you're actually a peacekeeper. You're just trying to keep things Okay. And um, so a big, like Tiffany said, it was the funniest thing. Felt really weird emailing my wife, but she would lock up. She was so emotionally, like to the point of we would have an intense conflict. She just shut down. I thought I'm going to write it out, and I just want you to chew on it. And um, and so this was this was a really big moment of you saying, you know, what what would you say? It basically is taking responsibility. It was, it was. I was just like, okay, he's right. Like, I just remember thinking to myself as I'm reading this, instead of being, like, offended, I was like, yeah, he's right. This is my problem, not his problem. So what is my problem? Because <laughs> now I have to fix it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you could tell the Lord was on it because typically it would have just poked me wrong and I would have just ignored you for 24 hours and, <laughs> and moved on with life. <laughs> I'm just being real, guys, okay? I know there's other I can there's feel other how uncomfortable this room is, and it's amazing <laughs> right now. I know there's other me's out there. You, no. guys, you guys love it when, when we do the hallelujah messages. It is so uncomfortable in this room right now yeah. because it hits home for you because you're the one blocking your spouse out for 24 hours because you have not come to the moment of, I have to deal with this. Yes. And so this is uncomfortable, but it's so good. And so I would say a lot at the beginning of the journey was a lot of inner healing, like doing the sozos, having meetings with, with friends, close friends, that I could get like the massive junk off, the, the massive lies off, um, trying to see things more clearly. And then it turned to more like personality tools. 
Like I took the Myers-Briggs and I took the strength finders and I took, I took all the things because I feel like they're still important. They, the Lord made us complex, he, but he gave us patterns. There's patterns in the world. And as long as you don't use these tools as weapons yeah. or boxes, they can really bring a lot of freedom. I found that in my personality, and I, and I say this with all seriousness, I am not belittling this condition, but I literally thought I was schizophrenic like at points because I would be so different. I could be so on the ball, get things done, and then I would just want to lay in bed and watch TV for a week. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. <laughs> but as I discovered myself, that is me. Sometimes I need to lay on the couch and watch TV for a week, and that's where I find the Lord. And other times, I can get out there and hammer it out, but I cannot live there. Yeah. And it took six years of finding out that I don't have to, yeah. that I have a rhythm. I even had a sozo what, two weeks ago, a month ago, because I still have them, guys. Okay, <laughs> this is the best I've ever been in my life, and I still have sozos. And what I, for me, it's like you are training new neuropathways every time you have freedom in your life. You had a system that got you to the bondage, you had patterns that got you to the lies, and it takes time to create those new pathways in your thinking. It's we're allowed to talk brain. Like, we're allowed to talk science. God is in science. <laughs> we are allowed to research how our brains work. We are allowed to get deep into it and not be afraid we're going to lose God. God made those. He made the neuropathways. So why wouldn't we learn about them to give ourselves grace that when we get free and the pathway is cut off, it takes time and intentionality to create new pathways, to create new patterns in your life, to create new communication styles with your relationships, with your spouse, with ministry. And it all ebbs and flows. And so for me, it's finding I work in rhythm and not in schedule is what I have found, that I have to ebb and flow to be successful and to be productive and to do what the Lord has called me to do. That's good. That's really good. I want you to think, I'm going to let Rachel kind of share a little bit of the overview of her journey. I want you to think, though, of maybe some, like, specifics, even if it's one, of areas uh, that have been areas you've had to, I don't know, maybe focus on in, in just this journey of becoming emotionally healthy. And we'll come back, but just take a moment and think about it. So let's hear a little bit about your journey, because it was funny. If, if, I could, if I could give you, again, an overview, she led inner healing and felt like she had to step away from it because, not because, but you wanted to really find more emotional health too, which I think a lot of people think, oh, that happens. How could you be in inner healing and not have it? And, and again, we begin to find some of the problems when people think, oh, I can just go have a two-hour sozo and that problem's dealt with. What you're really doing is you're inviting God in to show the lie and then he'll show you the truth and then you get to build on the truth. But you have to build. And so I want to I hear a little bit of your story now because you have become, uh, I mean, my goodness, in two or three years, you have transformed so much. Uh, it's amazing. And so let's hear a little bit of your story. Yeah, I knew the Lord was leading me. <laughs> As I, we were, I was meditating on the questions that John was going to ask, and I'm, I was chuckling because really I felt like the Lord set me up a little bit. Like 
I knew he was leading me out of inner healing, and I didn't really know why. I just knew it was time. And one of the things I would say to people, like my good friends, I would say, well, one thing I really want to do is be like a life coach. And I just, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that entailed or how to do it. But I had been listening to um, the Connected Life podcast. If you've ever heard it, go listen to it if you haven't. It's phenomenal. Um, I would say that was a beginning of my healing journey of understanding that there was more that needed to be healed. And so I started listening to that. And over the time, I joined um, what they call Living Fully Alive, which a few people in here have done. And it was life-changing. I would say I went from being asleep to awake. I was going through life, unbeknownst to me, shut down to my emotions. Because I am an Enneagram 8 which we'll talk about Enneagram, but um, eights, if they're not healthy, can just live in anger. That's just the only emotion. I thought I had emotions because I had anger when I would get mad about something. But <laughs> there's a lot more than anger. So <laughs> I learned um, over time and through that course how to realize what I was feeling at every single moment. If I, if I could stop and just think about it, I would see, oh, there's this going on, this going on, and, and recognizing triggers that John has talked about and traumas that needed to be healed. So th that's a little bit of my journey. So um, you begin to get tools. So there, like we said, there's so many different tools out there, and one of the ones that we've used, and there's, I don't know, everybody's all over the place on it, um, but Enneagram's been a blessing. It's just a tool. Um, I've done, I've done a, we all, people do strength finders and all those things. Everyone wants to know their strengths. <laughs> you know, you take that and you're like, ooh, I'm great at this. <laughs> I'm great. Of course, those are great. I've done 60, 16 personalities. We do a lot of um, marriage counseling, all these different things with people. Um, but one of the things is finding out, we did this thing called Enneagram, and it's been tremendously beneficial for leadership, for um, obviously, there's love languages, something funny that I tell people I do with my leadership team, and I, don't, and I haven't kept up with it as much as I used to. Um, but, you know, if you have an iPhone, and in the little set, they have the name, and then on the contact, you can put the company. You know what I'm talking about? Those of you that, do you guys know, we don't have flip phones in the room? Um, you're so quiet. Um, I put my leadership, I put their love language in the company section. So when someone calls me, it says, uh, words of affirmation. I know if it's a words of affirmation person, I can't just, you know, be short and direct to my point. They don't like that. They're like, but do you love me? <laughs> and, and, but, but certain people that are not words of affirmation, you're just like, hey, do this. And they're like, got it. And words of affirmation are like, oh, he's mad at me. And, and, and you know, there's, 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 you know, the five different love languages, which are really important for how people hear you, Right. It's not about how, it's not about always about how you want to give. Like every guy wants to just be, you know, I'm, I'm the, what is it, the works one? It's the um, acts of service. That's how I show my love. Well, usually it's just men that are unhealthy and they can't emotionally show their love. And so they just say, I do. Sorry, I just blew all your worlds in here. All the men are like, shoot, he let me out. And, and, uh, and, and let me just, I don't think we have children in the room. People are like, well, I'm touch. Well, of course you are with your wife. Does that apply for anyone other than your wife? Every guy, when I do counseling, they're like, well, it's touch. Forget your wife. What if it's a dude? No, it's not touch. I mean, some guys are, though. They're just like, they just, they're the, 
Jordan, you're, you're t- it's not weird. It's like, if I just put my hand on his back, it's Jordan, I just, you're just, you know, it's like, even when Jordan prays for me, he puts his hand on his back and he rubs my back. I know it's a touch guy. I'm like, that's a touch guy. People that are like, like acts of service are like, oh, stop touching me. You're like, let me do something for you. And so, so we, we've, we've, we pick up all these tools and um, Enneagram has been a, a blessing because it can show you areas that can potentially, um, now it can be used as uh, like anything else, it can be used as a weapon too. Um, you're such a seven. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a seven. That's a number. I'm a person. Um, and, and so we don't weaponize any tools, uh, nor do we use them as an excuse. People are like, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm an eight. I was like, well, you don't get to be a jerk and say I'm an eight. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so we're not going to hang on this one too long, but I think it's important because we live in a world that like a lot of these things are used and a lot of them are used um, for good. A lot of them are used for bad. Um, and some people are really like, some people think it's bad. If you, if you think it's really unspiritual, I'll let you take that up between you and the Lord. But I feel like it's a great tool. And so um, just really quickly, like, and we're going to keep diving in deeper. How has it been a blessing to you just to, to find out a little bit more about your personality type? So I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is a peacemaker. And so what I found was... I wasn't an anxious person because I kept thinking that I kept fighting. I was like, I'm not dramatic. I'm not a dramatic person, but I'm feeling all these things, but I'm not a dramatic person. Like this was my life. I hate drama. I hate drama around me. If you're dramatic, go away. But inside was very dramatic. (laughs) Um, But finding that out, I learned that as a peacemaker, like my goal, my motive in everything that I do is to find peace out here and to find peace inside. And so anytime that my peace was threatened or if I perceived that my peace might be threatened, then you got a different version of me. You got a very aggressive me or a very withdrawn me. And, and also just finding out that the the metaphor that they gave is they're just like nines love to have a cave that they can run into and hide and it just it gave vocabulary and it gave a way for me to because I'm such a visual person like I'm a seer in the spiritual realm like the Lord lets me see things and to be able to see when I am communicating with a friend or if I'm communicating with John or I'm in a situation where I'm just like, I'm not going to run into the cave. I don't have to run into the cave. I am always safe with the Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. So if he is with me, then I always have peace. Even if they're trying to steal it, it's okay. He can't be stolen. (laughs) And just that visual. And even like when we're talking, and sometimes it gets hard, he now has the vocabulary of just like, I feel you running into the cave. Do we need to have a break? Do you want to keep going? Like before, we just didn't know how to navigate it, and so things couldn't come to a completion and be worked out. And so now just having the vocabulary has been a huge step, especially for a nine. Nine's communication can be difficult, especially when you're on an unhealthy side. Communication is very difficult for a nine because they never know how it's going to go. Where he's a three... 
like he said, he could talk to the wall and get stuff done. <laughs> Guys, for real, I'm going to be honest, okay? We were sitting in the car. I feel like something's coming at um, me. <laughs> I'm getting uncomfortable. No, it's good. It, it's on me. I'm embarrassing myself. It's all good. Um, we were sitting in the car like two weeks ago. And, okay, so I'm an introvert, but I'm learning just because you're an introvert does not mean that you don't communicate with people. That doesn't mean that I get to sit on the front row and talk to no one, okay? Say, say that one more time. <laughs> say that one more time. You just took away the excuse of every introvert in the room. Yes. Well, I'm introverted. Okay, so you still have to talk to people if you're an introvert. Yeah. Introvert means that you get filled up on your own. But that does not mean that you can't pour out in a crowd, yeah. okay? <laughs> I had to learn that lesson. You get to, too. Um, so I'm sitting in the car with John. He can talk to the wall and have a great conversation. And so I was like, share your wisdom. This was two weeks ago, guys. I was like, teach me the way of the small talk. And so <laughs> he literally had a conversation out loud of, this is how a conversation could go. And he would talk through it. And he'd be like, and then they would say this, and then I would ask this. And then they could possibly say this, or they could say this. And then this is the question that I would follow up with. And I was like... Her mind was blown. <laughs> She's like, you... I'm like, it's like dominoes. You just keep following them to it's the like, next I one. I wouldn't have thought of like half of those questions. <laughs> She's like, how are you? Good. Nice seeing you. Bye. And, Great. And like, well, how about, you know, there's, there's more questions, you know? And so it's a very different person. I, I even told her, uh, we, our personalities are so different. Like, so when I have birthday parties or get togethers and stuff like that, I am a doer. I am an achiever. That is how I am wired. I have as much fun getting ready for a party as the party itself. She's like, this is terrible. I want to go she, take a nap and not wants, talk to anyone by the time I get there. She wants to paint my numbers. And I'm like, no, we got to get this ready and this ready and this ready. And I am alive. And the party starts and she's like, I just want to go to my room and just rest. And so, again, we, we've learned each other's differences. Real quick, uh, the Enneagram 8, you've already talked about it a little bit, but just like how has that, though, helped you learn um, how you operate, how you communicate? Yeah. Uh, I love the Enneagram. Like, I have never really enjoyed other personality tests because I would take it and I'd be like, okay, what do I do with that? Like, how beneficial is that for me? But Enneagram, the thing, it's very redeeming is how I, I say it because it will say, okay, this is, once you take the time to figure out who you are on there, there's only nine different types with wings and all sorts of things, so many billions of combinations. But once you kind of pinpoint who you are, which could take a year if you really do the work on it, then you can find out, am I healthy? Am I unhealthy? How do I get healthier? What do I look like in stress? And once I saw that, honestly, that was one of the keys for me of realizing, oh, I'm shut down to emotions. And that's pretty common for an eight. And when I read it, I was like, wow, there's other people like me. Like, literally, I did not know that other people function the way I function, think the way I think. Um, I'm very black and white. I'm very, I'm a challenger. That's what they call it. And I would say it's a very, very good description because I will challenge people I love, but it's for connection. And that was another thing that I needed to understand, too, about myself is I'm not just a jerk. Like, People would say, you know, why are you so rude to me? And I'm like, that was not my goal. <laughs> you know, but now I understand why I come across that way, how to navigate that, and also how to express, like, here's my heart behind it. Like, I'm challenging you here. I lead a team for work, and 
I have encouraged my people to learn who they are, and that's been phenomenal for them to know, this is how I function, so when I come and like, hey, here's some feedback, blah, 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 they're like, okay, cool, thank you, instead of like, oh, she hates me, you know? <laughs> so it, it's been just life-changing. So one of, the, one of the biggest things I think I keep hearing come up in the conversation that I think most people would agree in is being emotionally healthy. Uh, I don't know what that noise is, but um, being emotionally healthy, like focusing on those different items, one of the things that helps in is confrontation. Um, I don't think that's one of those things you can't pray your way out of a confrontation. Some of you have tried. Some of you never had the confrontation. Real hard. I tell real, people, real hard. And, and I have learned some of these the hard way. Like, can I be honest with you? Although I, I can communicate well, I, I don't like confrontation. As a matter of fact, I would do about anything other than confrontation. But I have learned that confrontations have an expiration date. And if you miss the expiration date, what goes from uh, the potential of a healthy conversation becomes offense and bitterness. You know what I'm talking about, because we, we, we dodge it, we try to stay away from it, and one of the areas I have found that when we are not healthy, the area that we have the greatest struggle in, especially when we do premarital counseling with people, we always get to the part on communication. And, you know, there's always the, the what do we, um, we use the analogy about tools. What are the tools you have in your toolbox? And most of them are just like, they don't have any tools. They have, they have a jackhammer. That is it. And if you show up to a confrontation with a jackhammer, it's going to go really bad really quick. And so one of the areas that I have found, we are giving you a big oversight, but we're trying to give value to the process. There's no way we could walk the whole room through, you know, let's take a whole emotional health. We can recommend resources, but we're trying to give a value to this this morning because it's not talked about. And so one of the areas that is of huge value is relationships. It's learning to how to communicate um, for us with our children instead of just, why did you do that? Okay. Getting behind the why. We, you know, what is actually the feeling that's being felt there? Are they feeling rejected? When you can begin to identify feelings, and you can begin to, you would not, I mean, guys, we are so paralyzed often with an inability to communicate within relationships marriages with our children, we just don't know how to talk. And it's just this cycle of over and over and over. And then at some point, you can just say, okay, can we figure out the feeling that you're feeling there? And this doesn't have to be a counselor to figure this out, guys. This is something just to begin to recognize, what is the actual feeling I'm having? And, and, and so how has some of this with communication, because you've brought it up, it's a big deal with you and you because you had two completely different approaches. Yours was go hide. Yours was anger, which is amazing because there's obviously a sign of help that these two are best friends because if they were unhealthy, she would scare her to death. <laughs> it's true. An eight and a nine unhealthy would be the worst combo because she's like, raw, and she's like, ah, and I'm in the middle like, that's not what she means. That's not what she means. And come back, come back, come back. And, and so that's, that's kind of a testimony of, of, of these two and their different personalities is that they're so close that they've put in the work to be able to be different people, but to be able to be close friends. And so let's talk real quick about communication, whether it's marriage, whether it's however you want to go about it. Um, 
how have been uh, with getting healthy, how do you approach conflict from a different direction? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So first, I would say that you have to be self-aware. You have to know yourself. You have to know what your motives are. Uh, You have to know your own feelings. Like, if you're wanting to dig into somebody else's feelings, you're going to have to know your own. Like, if you are unaware of emotions, how are you expecting to communicate and understand somebody else's emotions? So I would say that was my first journey. I was a great stuffer of emotions that I could handle all. I could keep going. Um, It actually took time and it took effort and intentionality to stop and decipher what I was feeling to get beyond the happy, sad, angry, you know, like what am I feeling and why? So that was the first step because many times when you're communicating, you need to communicate the I feel and then you need to hear their, their I feel so that you can understand each other and work through whatever you're working through. And so for me, when I first started this, I did not like communicating. I didn't like it at all. Um, Going through this, I actually, I was just telling John, I sat down and kind of just took like self-inventory. And I was like, I actually am thriving in talking through, we call it conflict, but I think I like it because I don't see it as conflict. I'm like, let's figure out what you're feeling. Like, let's find freedom. Let's find the truth. Let's walk this out. And it's actually not a big deal. Like, if we can identify and talk about what's going on, it's not actually a big deal. And so that was a big step for me to go all the way to I would hardly talk in meetings. I would hardly talk up here. He had to force me to start singing, guys. Like, I was terrified to be in the choir and be a voice among the voices. (laughs) Um, All the way taking that journey to, like, yeah, I would so much rather just talk this out. Like, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's get into the the reads and and work on it. And it's fun now. Like, I enjoy it. Don't inundate me, because I still have boundaries. (laughs) And I will let you know. <laughs> it's a good move. It's a good move. I was like, whoa. I can see the line out that. the door at the end. Well, you like to talk. I also you? am very aware of what I can handle. So if I cannot handle your situation, I will be honest now. Instead of saying, sure, absolutely, let's do this. And at home, I'm like, what have I done? I can't handle 20 people. <laughs> so we're coming back to the boundaries. Um, but before we leave that, how about for you? How has it changed? Um, and you're kind of ahead of me on everything a little bit, but just, just, um, with communication, you know, how you communicate to people? I would say it, it has changed, like Matt and I, our connection. We kind of went through marriage for so long, not really being connected, even though we thought we were connected. You know, you're with each other every day, and you know what you're doing, and, you know, you're raising kids together. You have a home together, you know. But really, until I started to understand that... I have emotions. (laughs) I needed to understand what they were. And then I could express that to him. And then Matt went on his journey as well to be able to communicate with me because Matt is a nine as well. And so for him to be able to communicate to me and me to him, it's 
it's changed our marriage. Like, I don't know how else to word it. Like, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like, do the work, guys. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, do the work. I mean, there is work involved. <laughs> Lots of Some of you are getting it. Some of you know it. Some of you are denying it. But um. You think you're close, close to your spouse until you start this journey. And the amount of vulnerability that you have to have with your spouse on a daily basis to actually communicate this out and live it out was far beyond what I thought it would be. Because yeah. we kind of lived that, lived that life for 12 years yeah. and just did the grind. We're running out of time, and I, I, we've opened so many cans of worms. Um, Do the Enneagram, <laughs> read Pathway to Powerful, and have a Sozo. Yeah, that's good. Pathway, yeah. Path, and connection. Yeah, there's, there's so many good resources. Um, let's, let's hit on one last thing. Um, what can be, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you, she's preaching in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> You knew that. Don't act like you didn't know that. <laughs> she's like, now I am definitely preaching in a few weeks. Um, she's going to be sharing a little bit on a topic of like how to, uh, the Lord's given her insight on how to look inward, but to not get lost looking inward. Because some people go on this journey and actually get lost. Yeah. And, um, and they get so looking inward that they forget to like lift their gaze back up and give this stuff back to the Lord. And um, I do believe, I understand we've, we've taken an approach very much from like, uh, it's different this morning because every other week we come in here and I focus every week on, you know, the heart, what you can do with the Lord. But this morning is very intentional on us doing the work. And so we've swung that way on purpose, but there's also a danger. Let me just give you an example. Um, last Sunday, they, she sung this song called um, Sound Mind. It was an awesome, it was an awesome declaration. It was an, and, and she wanted to come in and like declare it and the room is going to really connect with it. I felt this feeling as we got into the room, it was getting so, it wasn't getting deep in a good way. Like, oh, we're getting, some of you may have been. I could feel a weight coming in that was almost unhealthy. People were drowning. People were drowning in their lack. they couldn't figure out what they were. <laughs> and, and I, I, I've, I can count on one hand how many times I've ever texted her when she's leading worship. I said, you need to come up for air. People are like, it's too heavy. And, and I don't even think she actually saw my text message. She switched to the next song, and it was this song called Alleluia. And all the angels cry out, holy is the Lord. I felt something in the room where there was like, it was like this stirring up of things in people's hearts. And then if you keep stirring it and you just keep stirring it, it's going to get old. But then I felt all, I felt people kept thinking about it and it was in an unhealthy way. And then I felt like all of a sudden people went and they gave it to the Lord. And I felt the whole atmosphere in the room shift. And so there's wisdom in how to walk this journey, but at the same time, how to not become so focused on yourself and that connection with the Lord, because I think you can get lost in this stuff too. And so, um, I have so many more things that we didn't talk about, but um, we're kind of, I think we're out of, yeah, we're out of time. And so I really want to honor it, but um, what have been, you, you mentioned a couple, if you could say two or three things that helped you the most. 
What were they? Uh, other than obviously Holy Spirit, <laughs> and I can, I'll be preaching on that more. Like this side, this morning seems to be more of the practical sides, the tools you can put in your toolbox. And um, in a couple of weeks, I'll tie it into like how I walked this out with Holy Spirit and, and Father. Um, Pathway to Powerful, huge book for me. I read it yearly. Like I read it every single year. Um, the Enneagram has been a huge tool for me. Um, I, yeah, I listen to podcasts. I, and then I also know when to take breaks. Mm. Like I'll inundate in podcasts and learning and reading books on different tools and get really psychological. And then I know when the Holy Spirit is saying stop. That's good. And just dwell with me and just be with me, like reground, reroute into me and take that breath. Yeah, that's really good because you can literally overwhelm yourself with information mm-hmm. and never really get it if you don't let it just sit and sink and live with it and work on it in your heart. Um, for me, a big, big one was community. Honestly, I can point to people in this room and say, you called this out, you called this out, you called this out. Um, that was a big one. And then um, I mentioned this, the uh, Connected Life podcast with Stumballs, Living Fully Alive is a course that they do. They have other courses as well. Those are, I highly recommend, and other ladies have done them as well. And it's for guys too, not just ladies. <laughs> um, those are the big ones for me. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you guys sharing this. I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is a much different approach than what we've ever done on a Sunday. Um, but I felt so strongly on this because I, I feel like if we could get people on that path, you know, we, like I said, we do premarital counseling because I would rather do the work on this side of marriage as much as possible with people, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. I tell them, you're going to do the work somewhere. I mean, and anything that we can do on this side is great. There's always going to be more on the other side. Um, but the biggest thing is, is, is teaching people how to become emotionally healthy, that you walk them through this journey, and it's like they're like, I had no idea. I just had no idea. And, um, you know, the days of, I hope we can come to the, I hope we can come to the point with parenting and everything else, the days of the phrase, because I told you so, comes to an end. I think it's one of the most unhealthy statements ever because I'm not saying there doesn't need to be an authority, there's a parent, but the the phrase, because I told you so. Um, Number one, that won't work in marriage. (laughs) Try it. (laughs) Not today, not on Mother's Day. But um, (laughs) it doesn't work good with kids either. And um, I know we often fall to it, many parents will fall to that as they heard it growing up. But that one phrase is, uh, I have zero value for what you're feeling. And I have no idea what I'm feeling, so I'm just going to say, because I, t- I said so. And that is something that, like, that way of thinking, we got to get away from that. And we've got to get to the point where, again, we, I started and I will end with this. We want to have, we, we have a gift, a, a house here where we raise up. I do believe people get to step into giftings and being spiritually uh, empowered into so much but when we can also see people stepping into the piece of like connecting with their emotions and their mind and all those different pieces and pointing, we then begin to love the Lord with all of our heart, 
with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And I think it's time that we would actually be functioning at full capacity if we focused. Many of us are at 25%. You're just heart. And you have never thought about growing in these other areas and how you love the Lord. And so we could actually function so much higher. Amen? Amen. All right. We want to honor today um, the time frame and with mothers and a lot of people going to lunch and all that. But I do want to just pray uh, a prayer. So let's do this. Let's stand up. And can we thank them for, this is a lot for what they did today. Um, we want to pray a prayer and just bless everyone in this room. And then maybe just also invite you into um, just this journey with the Lord. Like I started, I, I said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think people that even aren't believers can go on this journey, but you're going to get a lot farther and a lot quicker with Jesus. And so, um, but it is a journey. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for um, just how you have invited us into a place of loving you at a greater capacity. Father, it's our desire to be able to love others well. And Father, sometimes that takes uh, opening doors we don't want to open. It may look, maybe it's just working through things we don't want to work through, but Father, would you give the, would you just give those in this room that, Father, are desiring that journey, would you give them the boldness and the courage to walk forward and to take the steps? Like Tiffany said, it was six years ago of just really something had to shift. I had to break some patterns and things needed to change. Father, I pray that in this room, people that are feeling I'm sure there's a lot of different feelings, but would you just come in right now with just your oil of gladness? And God, areas that have been stirred up, that's good. But at the same time, would you just let peace rest on them? That Father, we go out of this place feeling hopeful. We go out of this place feeling aware that we have been invited into a greater level of intimacy with you. We love you, Father. I pray blessings over the mothers in this room. And Father, I pray that they would just come into, Lord, may today be a sweet day for them. And uh, God, we just, we give you all of the praise. We give you all of the glory. You are so good. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, well, I'm going to release you. So bless some people around you and have a wonderful day today. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us. 